From the PSIA ASI studios in Lakewood, Colorado, I'm George Thomas. You're listening to First Chair Certification Part 3 with national team member Stephen Helfenbein. Stephen, great to chat with you again. Good evening, George. So, Stephen, tonight we're going to be focusing on really setting the bar for ourselves for our teaching and our ski snowboard performance? Yeah, yeah. I'd like to look at maybe some tangible targets that you could use um, during your training process um, to maybe whittle down just a little bit the amount of information that it seems like you might have to focus on in your preparation. And how do we even start to whittle this down? Because, I mean, it can seem so overwhelming. Yeah, um, I think it is overwhelming at first look. And But if you start to look at it, um, it can it can become more tangible and, and smaller load of, of demand. Um, I think if you start by asking yourself actually the question of, you know, what is the job associated with a ski instructor at each of the particular levels, level one, two, and three, um, I think it might help you understand a little more about the the national standard associated with the particular zones of ski instruction, um, being beginner, uh, intermediate, advanced, and expert, um, and that really the levels of certification are geared around those zones, and um, your job performance is um, geared around being able to perform in those particular zones. So I start to whittle it down by just saying like, okay, with level one, um, you know, I'm responsible for teaching skiers through the beginner zone. And what does that look like? You know, what are the real demands placed on me in that job? So then as you look at level two and level three, uh, again, you're really kind of cutting down on the overwhelming nature of these, but how do you whittle down uh, a focus in, say, a level two yeah. or a level three like you would there at level one? Yeah. Um, for level two, and let's just look at skiing first, you're teaching skiers in the intermediate and maybe up into the um, – early parts of the advanced zone. So what does that really look like from a skiing perspective? What are the skiers in that zone doing? Well, they're just coming out of skiing in Wedge Christie's and maybe just starting to ski parallel some of the time, or, or, or they're about to ski parallel. They're skiing on um, blue terrain and maybe beginning to ski on easier groomed black terrain. So what does that skiing look like? Those skiers are predominantly uh, making turns that are skidded. They may be able to make different sizes of skidded turns, but maybe not. Maybe they can just make like kind of a medium sized turn, but that might be a tool that will start to open up larger aspects of the mountain to them if they, they um, make different size turns. So um, that gives me an idea of what those skiers look like. So that gives me a little bit of an idea of what I need to be able to demonstrate. And one of the, the skills that really needs to have um, uh, clear, accurate visual examples that are demonstrated by an instructor is the skill of rotation, um, how you control the rotation of the skis. And if you can do that accurately, and if you can do that accurately, you are steering your legs against a stable upper body. So if you look at all of the tasks that are performed in a level two skiing assessment across the country, 
Um, they're predominantly focused on skidded, steered uh, types of maneuvers, with a few exceptions in some of the more highlighted types of tasks. Um, so that skill needs to be very, very accurate. Now, Stephen, you bring up a great point here because I think it's very easy for us to ski above that task and we really need to meet that standard, correct? Right. Um, the, the tasks have specific descriptors in most places that go along with the task and they are describing key ski performance characteristics and key body performance characteristics. So if you take something like a short radius turn, um, and maybe let's say in a level three context, um, you know, as a level three, um, caliber skier, you're probably capable of carving a short radius turn, but let's say this is a short radius turn that's at a slower speed. And maybe it's more of a basic parallel caliber short radius turn. And maybe it's, you're being asked to perform it off piste. Um, you got to think about it from the standpoint of why am I demonstrating this task? Who would I be demonstrating this task for? Not can I perform this at the maximum of my ability in maybe a carved ski performance context? Do you have the accuracy to um, use your legs to guide the skis through a round turn rather than um, carve the skis through a, a round turn? Um, it, so it comes down to really understanding the specific demands of each particular task you're being asked to perform and performing to the task, not performing the way you would like to ski. Now let's go to level three. So, you know, yeah, with level two, I think just to summarize real quick. If, if you put the bulk of your energy into training your skiing to be really in solid control of your four aft relationship, that gives you a very, um, great ability to, to steer your legs. That's a very tight relationship between four and a half control and steering your legs. So, you know, in those two fundamentals, if you can put the bulk of your energy into making those two really sound, you're probably going to have a be set up for good success through a lot of those tasks. So with level three, what's the big thing that changes when you're skiing with advanced and expert students? Well, it, it comes down to these are people that are starting to figure out how to use the design of the ski more. And that equates to more of a carved ski performance where the tip and the tail of the ski can engage fully and, and the ski pushes the, the mountain pushes the ski through an arc. And that boils down to how you can control pressure um, from foot to foot and overall magnitude of pressure um, and, and edge angle. And one of the key, key things um, with regard to that is can you tip and bend the ski in a, at the beginning of a turn before you twist it. That is a, one of the, the key benchmarks for a level three skiing candidate. It's the ski has got to be able to arc into a turn rather than be twisted into a turn. How do we find someone who we can train with that can really give us the specifics for these? Well, um, that depends for sure. Um, depends on resources at your mountain or in different clinics, but you know, any examiner that is qualified to examine for level three skiing should be able to at least, um, be a starting point in that process. Now, Stephen, we were saying at the beginning that we wanted to talk about both the 
performance as well as our teaching. So what are some teaching standards? How can we narrow our focus down to really focus in on our teaching skills? With teaching, um, one of the key uh, focuses that that I um, have to emphasize in the training I do at Alta, and again, all of this advice is just through my personal experience by training people um, at my ski area, Um, where I've had the most practice, this isn't the absolutes. This is, again, just shared my lessons learned from my experience. Um, with teaching, uh, it's very challenging for people to teach to a tangible outcome. They're very um, comfortable talking about skiing in a lot of cases and talking about the skills and the fundamentals of skiing and can often piece together logical progressions that include these, these bits of technical knowledge but they don't often lead to a tangible outcome that matters for the student. So regardless of the level, that's the thing that that's really important to hone as you progress um, through each level. Now there's specific uh, levels of demand. I think that adjust with each level, but that is the one message I would love for people to hear teach to an outcome. And tell us what that would sound like, look like, um, kind of, kind of give us an example of what you're talking about, please. Okay. Um, yeah, let's say, you know, a common thing that, um, a student would want regardless of their level, let's, you know, it could be a beginner, intermediate or expert skier, um, is they want control. All right. This is a tangible outcome that, that, um, you know, student and instructor can agree upon certain things about it, right? They can agree that they know what it feels like to be under control and they can agree on what it feels like to be out of control. And maybe, um, you know, that's an important starting point when we talk about tangible outcomes. Is this something that can be seen and is it something that can be felt? Now, it's up to the instructor to fill in a lot of the gaps about like what makes control? How can I use my expertise and my knowledge to help this student make the outcome of control? And that's where their, their knowledge about the fundamentals and the skills and their, their clever progressions and their clever drills come in. It's using these things in the context of creating something, in this case, creating control. So what this is sounding like in a way, Stephen, is it you know, we, we say this a lot, but it sounds like it just comes back to good teaching and you take good teaching skills into your exam. Yes, a good te- an exam is essentially designed to assess good teaching skills. And um, in, in the context of an exam, it might feel like a contrived scenario where it's not a real lesson. But, you know, most teaching exams that I've seen do a pretty good job of, of setting people up to treat it like it's a real scenario. And that's the key. And I think maybe where one of the challenges lies is not practicing the exact format of the test um, so that it can feel like a real scenario. And I'd like to talk about that a little bit because in an exam, are we there to educate our peers or is it more mock teaching? It can depend on the process in each division, but I would say in general at level two, it, it can feel like a little more like mock teaching, have that flavor that it's 
a little more made up. But in, you know, in Intermountain Division specifically, what we're asking candidates to do is to share their plan for a lesson, not necessarily teach their plan or pretend that they're teaching. It's simply to share their plan. And that can perhaps be a little bit confusing, but again, the, the point of practicing the process before you go is very important. With level three teaching, it's typically you're teaching your peers. The burden there is that you assess the movements of your peers and, and you actually come up with a relevant and accurate plan that would be um, very likely to change their scheme or actually produces a change in their scheme. So that's as real as it gets. Now, Stephen, I wish we had another 30 minutes instead of three minutes left, but if you could really give us a good summation now of the teaching skills and how we bring those to level one, two, and three. Uh, yeah, I'll, I will do my best. Um, in one, two, and three, one thing is constant, or two things, let's say. You, you, you want to figure out how to teach to an outcome and Make sure you define, you know, what that outcome looks like in your lesson. That's going to vary, and that's based on, you know, how you partner with the student to define the goals of the lesson. But that's your outcome. Use your knowledge to, to help achieve that outcome. That's a constant one, two, and three. The other constant is that you will be um, assessed on the quality of your delivery. Um, how well you communicate. Is your progression logical? Are you personable? Are you creating an environment where... People trust you and want to interact with you. Um, are they engaged? Put simply, that's what we're looking for is the ability to engage a group. As you evolve through your, you know, your, your certification pathway into two and into three, the accuracy of your knowledge and the relevance of your prescriptions has to increase. And think of it this way, as you um, start dealing with more experienced students, they know more about skiing and they have more experience to draw upon. So your prescriptions and your expertise need to be more refined. And think of it as when you get up to skiing with level eight and nine students potentially, or training other ski instructors, if you become a trainer, the accuracy and the relevance of your prescriptions has to be pinpoint accurate. It's got to be um, extremely, um, just, it has to be dead on. There's no room for phoniness in there or, or just stuff that you feel like you really like to teach. You know, it's gotta be things that are needed by the student. Um, so that's, that's a big, um, a big thing for me as I've, as I've trained candidates for certification. Um, you know, the, and then it boils down to like this mantra for me when training folks for, for, um, teaching assessments. Um, you want to have an accurate per, uh, prescription. You know, your lesson's got to start with an accurate prescription. But an accurate prescription can only be as good as the accuracy of your analysis or your movement analysis of that student. And that's completely dependent upon your level of knowledge. So as you go through this pathway, your knowledge has to keep pace with your development. Otherwise, some of your prescriptions could be less relevant, less accurate, not necessarily right for the student in front of you or for the situation in front of you. And the only way to, to be that um, dynamic in your teaching is to know as much as you can about skiing or snowboarding or telemark, whatever it is. 
So kind of to restate what we've gone over, but uh, in a little bit of a different way, as the trainer at Alta, how can you assure someone who's going for their level one, their level two, or their level three, you know, you're ready. You're at that point where I believe you could pass. Yeah. Yeah. And let's focus on level two and three, because I think that's where the, the greatest amount of, of uh, concern would be on the stamp from the standpoint of anyone listening to this. Um, but with a quick nod to level one, if you get a little bit of familiarity and orientation about the process, um, again, most of those processes include some coaching or guidance towards the standard and, and you're able to work towards that standard during the course of the assessment. So less preparation needed, um, but you do want to familiar familiarize yourself with the demands of the the day or the process that you have in your your area for level two skiing um, you've got to be able to control yourself along the length of the ski you got to be able to bend the front of the ski before you turn it Um, and that the primary way you're going to be turning your skis is by steering your legs against a stable upper body if you can do that and make round symmetrical turns you are in the zone typically with level three skiing you've got to be able to uh, pressure the ski before you tip it and you got to be able to tip the ski into the turn more than you twist it. And you got to be able to make, um, arcs primarily with most of those tasks. Um, the big no, no there is twisting the ski into a lot of those uh, maneuvers. And then with, with teaching again, the, the big constant there is identify a tangible outcome that matters to that student and come up with a, a, a short and simple logical progression that will help that person meet their goal. And, um, you know, as the students evolve through levels one, two, and three, you know, a level one, uh, a level one, two, three type student doesn't know a lot about skiing. So a lot of what you will do with them will probably help them. Um, As you go into intermediate students, they know more, they have more experience. So your prescriptions have to get more uh, specific and more accurate as you prepare for level three teaching. Um, now your students know a whole lot about skiing. They've got a whole lot of experience and they know exactly what they're looking for. So only one or two things might help them. And, and your, your, uh, delivery has got to be laser sharp. Um, so that, uh, yeah, that's what I know based on, um, trying to help people get ready for, for these assessments. Steven love talking about this with you. What are we going to be chatting about in part four? Um, I want to talk a little bit about, um, mindset and, you know, there's a book called mindset that's been very popular, uh, that people should definitely check out. And there's some lessons learned from that book that I'd love to, um, talk about with you and and just maybe help steer people towards some of that information. Um, as it comes to learning something new, the, the mindset that you adopt has a huge effect on your ability to, change behavior, whether it's a people skill, a teaching skill, or a technical skill, and you can uh, you can determine your mindset. That's absolutely something that's 100% under your control, and so that's something I want to explore a little bit. National team member Stephen Helfenbein joining us on First Chair. Stephen, thanks very much for taking the time. Yeah, thank you so much. From the PSIA ASI Studios in Lakewood, Colorado, I'm George Thomas.